Well, hello there. Welcome to Lindy's Audio Cafe. My name is Lindy, and I'm absolutely delighted to be back in the podcast chair again today. Uh, it was raining this morning when I woke up here in the beautiful Comox Valley, and uh, I was so happy to hear that we've been in drought conditions throughout the summer. We hit level three water restrictions again today, and uh, to hear that rain going was really a good way to start my day. Um, but that's not what I'm going to be talking about today. I have a lot more going on today. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm being joined this morning via Zoom um, from over 4,000 kilometers away. I'm going to be talking to a really amazing gentleman named Fletcher Cleves. Now, Fletcher Cleves uh, is talking to me all the way from Memphis. That is huge. I've never talked to anybody in Memphis before, not that I'm aware of. So, And uh, Fletcher has an amazing story, and his story is full of resilience and hope and inspiration. And he's got a story like no other. Uh, and it's really important to uh, keep that dial turned up and listen to this story. So I'm going to start by introducing Fletcher and saying good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I hope everybody out there in podcast land is doing well as well. So <laughs> glad to be here and excited for this conversation. Oh, I'm so glad to have you here. Now, you are an amazing person. I, I have uh, done some reading online, but I decided that even though I have the gift of gab, I'm going to zip it for a little bit and I'm going to let you tell your story. And maybe you can start out by telling us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So uh, my name is Fletcher Cleese, born and raised here in Memphis, Tennessee, as you said earlier. And, you know, I'm just a hometown kid. I love sports growing up. I was the epitome of boys will be boys. You know, I was putting firecrackers in mailboxes and ding dong ditching and all that stuff. So, you know, my parents wanted me to channel that energy into something more positive. So they put me in organized team sports. And once I got into organized team sports, I kind of realized that I was physically gifted. Uh, you know, I was uh, faster or stronger than a lot of my peers at the same age. And I kind of just played sports and took it all the way, so to speak. And I was blessed enough to receive a football scholarship in high school. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, when I was I went to college after two days after high school graduation, you know, I'm going to this football scholarship. I'm super excited. But unfortunately, in September 10th, 2009, and my car crash anniversary was actually yesterday. Wow. Uh, four, yeah, 14 years ago. Now, September 10th, 2009, a lady was texting and driving and ran my roommate and I off the road, causing us to flip into an embankment, which caused the car to flip multiple times. And during that process, uh, the, roof lay, the roof caved in and broke my neck in two places and I became paralyzed. Oh my goodness, that, that actually just gives me shivers, just even imagining that, that, that is unreal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a, it was a tough time, you know, being 18 years young and full of life and ready to take on the college world and having it cut short, you know, two or three months into the journey and, you know, football was immediately taken from me. And this whole story that we're going to discuss is basically me enduring that journey and overcoming adversity. Wow. And uh, at 18 years old, you know, you had the world at your fingertips. You had this football scholarship. You were getting ready to go to school. And in an instant, um, basically what happened is somebody did something that they shouldn't have been doing, and it impacted your life forever. Absolutely. Not just my life. It impacted my parents' life, my grandparents, anybody who was connected to me. It impacted everyone's lives. But um, I, we chose to, well, I chose to overcome adversity and 
endure hardship to my fullest capability. And it's brought me to a lot of great places throughout the uh, throughout the world and met a lot of great people. You have an amazing positive attitude. Like I know everything that I've read about you online, I'm going like, this guy is amazing. He sees the glasses half empty or half full, not half empty. You know, people often say, you know, which side are you viewing the glass? Well, you definitely are a person with a very positive attitude and it's amazing. And, you know, and you just mentioned something that I think, you know, we sometimes don't always recognize um, when there's any kind of trauma or tragedy that happens in our family and it affects us physically, you also mentioned that it affected your family as well can mm -hmm. can you share a bit about that yeah so you know i'm an only child so my parents you know they got their phone call that their child is in the hospital has been in a car crash i need to get to the hospital immediately and through you know they never left my side through the, uh, through that whole journey as well so it affected my family tremendously you know me being an only child and, and my parents getting that phone call that their only child is in a car crash, they need to come to the hospital immediately. And, you know, unfortunately they lost their jobs uh, during the process because um, they had to stay in the hospital 10 days. And then we went to Atlanta, Georgia, where I did therapy for an entire year. And, you know, they lost their jobs during that process. So, you know, my grandmother back in Memphis had to like pick up a second job to help us with expenses and, you know, just a lot of, it was like a domino effect where my parents, you know, this and my grandmother, that, and my family having to chip in and support from aunties and uncles and cousins and all that. But um, it was, I have a great support system and it allowed me to, you know, go back to college and, you know, graduate with a degree in computer science and become a speaker and a world traveler and an advocate and a, and a motivation and an inspiration and all these things that I've accomplished. So I'm, I'm thankful for my family for sure. That's pretty incredible. So you mentioned you went back to school and uh, you've got a degree. So, um, and I know we haven't really touched base in the podcast as as what physical changes you've endured post-accident. Mm -hmm. So how, how did things change for you? Yeah, I became, well, being a collegiate athlete, you know, you rely on your physical capability so much. But then when my car crash happened, I broke my neck in two places. I was paralyzed from the chest down. So now I'm a quadriplegic and I don't have access to a lot of parts of my body, uh, you know, as far as like my legs or my fingers, or my arms or well, it's parts of my arm, so to speak. But uh, that just being in a wheelchair and like going back to campus, like the last time I, I was thinking in my head, my first day it was last time I was on campus, I was on a football scholarship. Now I'm at a completely different college in a wheelchair going through these you know physical changes but i chose not to be defeated by my wheelchair not to be changed by my circumstances and i wanted to continuously go to college and graduate and experience the college life you know i wanted to go to homecoming and wanted to you know participate in in this activities and water balloon fights and spring breaks and all that stuff and i, and I was able to do all of wow that's incredible now did some of the friends that you had from high school go along to the same um, college or university with you or were you going totally on your own meeting new people? Uh, I met a lot of new people but for the most part because it was here in Memphis, it's the University of Memphis, I still knew a lot of people like hey Fletcher you know welcome back to Memphis but a lot of people didn't know about my car crash so they would see me and was like Fletcher what are you doing in a wheelchair and I was like oh I was in an accident a year ago and this is why but a lot of people from my hometown went to that college so I saw a lot of familiar faces but so it, it, it was great having people there. A lot of my peers were at the same college. So it was great having people there that knew me and could help me and familiar faces to help me, you know, just overcome small things like reaching certain things or pushing me to class because 
you know, I, I was newly in a wheelchair. My arms would get tired often, but you know, now I'm used to it, and it, it's a great, it's a great thing to have that type of friendship and friends around you. How did you find it for accessibility and resources when you went to school? Um, were there elevators? Was everything on one level? How 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 was that for you? No, it wasn't on one level, but it was somewhat accessible. Uh, you you never pay attention to things until you need it. So of course. When I was playing football, I never paid attention to where the elevator was or uh, did the curb cuts or how accessible things were. But now since I'm in a wheelchair, I kind of focus on, you know, that accessibility a lot more. I remember one year my English class was upstairs, but the elevator was broken. So they had to, they they canceled class for two days until they fixed the elevator. Because, you know, it wasn't fair that I missed class simply because the elevator was broken. So... They tried to move it to the first floor, but they couldn't find any open room. So they had to cancel class for two days. Um, and all my friends were like, thanks, Flex. You know, but uh, I was like, hey, it's not my fault. It can't, it's what it is. But uh, yes, yeah, so it's things like that. That's incredible. And I actually think, <clears throat> sorry, I think that's great because, you know, I had a guest on the podcast a few months back who who also was in a wheelchair and mm-hmm. uh, he was actually one of the first people mainstreamed uh, in his school and uh, where he's from. He's from the U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. And he actually had me thinking a lot about these different things and things that he'd gone through going to school. So I that kind of made me think about like, I wonder how it was for you and you know, and, you know, were the bathrooms accessible? Was there a cafeteria? Were all those things accessible? And then how did you go about doing your courses online? Like, did you have mm-hmm. things that were voice activated? How did it work? Um, yeah, so accessibility, it was tough. But for the most part, it was. But you still had, like, some bathrooms weren't accessible. So I had to go to the accessible bathroom that I knew was work for me, which may have been across campus. But um, I, I graduated, but during the time, I didn't take any online classes. All my classes were in person. Perfect. And did you have somebody to assist you with the typing and doing the answers, or how did mm-hmm. you do that? Yeah, so uh, the University of Memphis, the ADA, excuse me, compliance office, I had a scribe that was appointed to by someone that was already in the class. So, like, the fact, like, I can't write. So certain students have to have so many community hours to keep their scholarships, like their academic scholarships. So they would take notes on like a carbon copy piece of paper and then tear it apart and I would get, a, you know, the front copy, then we get the back copy. And um, that's how it worked. And then I would take my test in like a separate room where I could talk to someone to help me circle answers or write down things. But uh, it, it worked out, it worked well. And I, and I love my college experience. That's incredible. So now you did all this. And I just think it's really neat the way you tell me that you're able to do it. And you ended up with a degree. Can you tell me about that? Yes, I chose to, you know, I love math at at, at the time and I I did computer science. And it was a very strenuous degree, but I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to give up. So I didn't want to change my major because I felt like I would be saying I can't do it. Like, this is too hard. I can't do it. So I stuck with it all four years and graduated with a degree in computer science. Start wow. working in IT. Yeah, thank you. To start working in IT and, you know, start traveling the world and doing so many great things that you have seen online. That is really, really cool. And I have so much admiration for that. Um, one of my kids is actually in the IT sector. And uh, mm-hmm. I know it's a lot of work. And is, uh, that, that's a huge degree to have. I have so much admiration for you. 
Um, Thank you. Yeah. So you'll be understanding if I have any issues today, I'm just going to get help from you, right? While we're online. (laughs) I know, right? Oh, boy. So that is is just so incredible. So and and with that kind of degree, you could pick up work worldwide because so much stuff is done online now. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's so many, especially with the work from home culture now, Uh, a lot of people work from home. So I've been looking for new work opportunities, but doing it right now, the job market's kind of tough. So it's been hard. We're not as easy as I thought it would be finding new employment, but I, I have faith that it'll all work out in the end. Well, that that is absolutely amazing, and and you know even venturing onto that technology technology side, it's pretty neat. You know, I even think about during the pandemic, mm-hmm. so many more people started working from home, and you know having mm-hmm. that IT support, information technology, you know, uh, new programs coming out, new things. You know, I can just see where it would have been a very busy time, and I know even myself. You know, I'm. Okay, my age is about to come out. I'm three years away from 60. And, okay. and, you know, you know, and it's like, I know that even now, you know, if my son's helped me out, it's like he puts a little program open on my computer, you open it up and the mouse goes around my screen and he fixes things mm-hmm. for me and then mm-hmm. it's done and I'm back on track again and I can <laughs> podcast again. And, you, you know, and I have a lot of respect for what you do in your industry because that's a lot of work and things are always changing. Always, always, always Technology changing. is always changing. Yeah, there's so much to be on top of. So, I mean, even now, I'm sure mentally you're always still learning, even though you've got this degree in computer science. Absolutely. That's pretty amazing. And so, you know, there's you've talked a little bit online about how faith and forgiveness helped you with your Mm -hmm. journey. And I mean, faith and forgiveness go a long way in life. But do you want to talk about that a little bit? How, How did that help you out? Yeah, I had to have, uh, well, first off, forgiveness for the, the lady that caused my car crash and not being bitter or resentful towards her. And then having faith that things would work out for all better, for all, you know, for things work out for the better. That, you know, that me being in the hospital, this isn't the end of my story, or me uh, living with my parents is not the end of my story, or me having, you know, troubles wasn't the end of my story. I chose to take each task on head on and overcome that, you know, like, but you're going to graduate. But you're gonna drive. But you're gonna move out. But you're gonna travel the world. But you're gonna be a motivation speaker. You know, just talking to myself and saying that anything I want to accomplish is right at the at the tips of my fingertips if I just have faith and not afraid to work hard. Good for you. And that in itself, I find that really motivational. I totally do. Uh, you know, and it's interesting because I'm actually writing a book right now, sharing my podcast experience. And, you know, there are a lot of times when I was like, oh, I'm too old for this. I can't figure this out. I can't do this. And then it's just, you know, just persevering and getting through things and not letting yourself get talked out of things, but talking yourself into things. It's amazing what the power of the mind can do when you put your mind to something. Exactly. You know, you're, you're, you're stronger than what you realize. And we don't know how strong we are until we have to be. So yeah. when you have no other options or when you when you put your mind to it and say, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish this no matter what obstacles are fa- I'm faced with. And then you'll realize that you can do anything. That's amazing. Like you are absolutely incredible. And so now you share this story, right? You travel around the world. You share this story mm-hmm. with schools, with groups. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I started speaking uh, about 10 years ago and it started to start out like local YMCA's and community centers and just summer camp kids. And then it kind of snowballed to seniors and then juniors and entire schools and then colleges. And then AT&T heard about my story and they 
created created a commercial about my story. And then once that commercial aired nationally, everything kind of took off. People started reaching out to me from different parts of the country and asking, can I come share my story and being in contact with so many like Department of Transportation because I'll talk about safe driving and high schools and talking about having the importance of education and sport teams understanding that you know your sport will end one day you have to have something to fall back on as i did even though i wasn't able to play football i still went to college and graduated so i reached so many different avenues and so many different aspects through my story that i'm very thankful and grateful for that's incredible <laughs> absolutely amazing mm -hmm. and so yeah that I, I think the fact that you can get out there and share your story with other people um, and, you know, it just it's a reminder to all of us about when we're driving those cars, that's a lot of metal that we're yeah, it's a lot of responsibility. It's Absolutely. A, yeah. And, you know, and for even for young people, I shouldn't just say young people, anybody that's getting their driver's license. Once you have that license, it's a huge, huge responsibility. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and you're sharing your story and letting people know that distracted driving can change the life of anybody in an instant. And mm -hmm. it, it can change the life of the person in the other vehicle. It can change your own life because now you've mm -hmm. got to live with that the rest of your life. Exactly. And, and, you know, and that in itself is huge, really, really huge. And I think about distracted driving. I mean, right off the bat, when you say distracted driving, okay, don't text and drive. But, you know, I know somebody else many years ago who had a car accident. This is back in the day when we still had cassette tapes going into those mm -hmm. cassette players, you know, and I guess be comparable to CDs now. And somebody that I know, this was probably 35, 40 years ago, was putting their cassette tape into the player. And that second they looked down to put their cassette tape in, they looked up the vehicle in front of them, had stopped and kaboom, you know, and that person was hurt. Not as not as bad, but they had some pretty severe whiplash and a lot of damage yeah. to their vehicle. And I remember talking to this gentleman after and he said, if I just had waited and not tried to put that music on while I was driving, if I had just put that cassette in before I started driving, none of this mm -hmm. would have happened. Exactly. It's not just texting and driving. It's, you know, messing with the radio or eating or anything that takes your focus off the road. Absolutely. And eating is another one. And, and I've noticed that a lot. I'll, I'll be watching drivers as they go by. And people have a really busy lifestyle now, right? They're running from A to B. Mm -hmm. You know, they're working full time, running for families, doing this, doing that. They don't have time to eat during the day. So go through mm -hmm. the drive through. We know what the drive throughs look like. And they're grabbing those yes. hamburgers. And as they're driving along, taking off the wrapper, putting the hamburger in, Again, it's distracted. And don't get me wrong, I'm all about the hamburgers. I'm a foodie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you, you kind of have to make sure that if you're going to do that, I, I would think that get those wrappers open and do that stuff before you ever hit the road, not be trying to open exactly. up the food packs while you're driving. Exactly. Um, but you're absolutely correct. Just you know, we're trying to take a sip of your Sprite or eat the French fries or doing anything that takes your focus off of driving, whether it's your hands off the wheel whether it's your eyes off the road or whether even it's your mental just, you know, zoning, they're kind of zoning out where you'll, you know, you're driving and you're thinking about so many different other things. Yeah. So as I was mentioning, distracted driving is not just hand or not just texting. It's anything that takes your hands off the wheel, your eyes off the road, or even your mental off of driving where you're sitting there driving and you're like, did I close the garage? Did I lock the door? And then before you know it, you've passed the street you were supposed to turn on. You're like, how did I get way down here? Man, I was supposed to turn three exits to go. 
Yeah. And I, I get that, especially, you know, I even think back to my younger days when I was raising kids and working full time. And I know there were days when I was driving and going, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, like we're here already. And like you say, your mind's going a million miles an hour. I need to be here. I need mm-hmm. to be there. Am I going to be late for work? Did I remember to pack the snow pants and the mittens? Did I do this? Did I do that? And sometimes it's just having to stop and block all that stuff out and be focused. And and I think mm-hmm. I, I actually learned to ride a motorcycle in my 50s. <laughs> Wow, congratulations. Yeah, I was 52 when I got my license. And uh, that was one of the first things that they, they stressed us with riding a motorcycle was there is no room for distraction. You have to be 110% focused on the road at all times and be aware as to who's around yes. you. And uh, and I think actually taking the motorcycle training helped me a little bit too. It probably took a, an older gal here and brought me back into realizing what is so important to be doing when we're on the road. It, it was really helpful for me. Well, that's pretty neat. But the things that you've managed to do, though, uh, since you've had this. Now, there's one more thing that I want to touch base on. And okay. I noticed on your website, you have a thing called You're the Wheelchair Nomad. That's a Correct. cool name. What can you tell Correct. us about the Wheelchair Nomad? So the Wheelchair Nomad came about where I was just traveling the world and posting pictures on social media like everybody else was. You know, I would go to Paris, post some pictures, go to Italy, post some pictures, go to Toronto, post some pictures. And then people were like, man, you're like, you're everywhere. Like this guy that was sending my story to like different news media people like other people in wheelchairs. It's like, hey, this guy's in a wheelchair. He travels the world. You know, you can too, talking to other people in wheelchairs because uh, a lot of times people with mobility issues, they think they can't really go anywhere or do much because they're confined to a certain area of space. And I'm living proof that you can go or do anything that you want to. So somebody was like, you know, Fletcher, you're, you're like a nomad. You're everywhere. And just me being silly, I was like, yeah, I'm the wheelchair nomad. And it kind of just stuck. I would just make posts saying the wheelchair nomads in Vegas, the wheelchair nomads in D.C. And it kind of just stuck. It stuck with it. That and is now- really neat. Yeah, now I just travel the world and speaking at different travel conferences about accessibility in the travel industry, um, hotels and transportation and excursion and lack of accessible luxury and all these things that I feel people with mobility issues should be able to uh, obtain or experience, uh, you know, that I try, I try to be an advocate for. And do you find it's really helpful for the companies that you engage with, like maybe They always say that the most important thing you can do is to talk to people that are actually using the services that you provide. And do you find that Mm -hmm. that companies are listening? Are they hearing you? Yes, I've been hired as a consultant to come in and, you know, hey, can you check out our accessible? We just built a new hotel. Can you check out the accessibility? Make sure we're on point. It's not just about doing the bare minimum so you don't get sued. It's like, you know, the, the, the state says we have to have four handicap parkings for every uh, 100 parkings or whatever, right? And I'm like, yeah, but why would you not put them by the door? You know? Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, yeah, you have them, but make it uh, not accessible, but make it convenient or, you know, spread them out or, you know, so I, I do that and just try to help companies be on top of their game. And that makes total sense to me. I know even when I go somewhere, often if there's a whole selection of parking spots open, and, and I live in a community that has a lot of seniors. We're, we're definitely a retirement mm. community. So I'm mm. always aware of that when I go and park somewhere and think, okay, if there's a bunch of spaces open. I'll take the one a bit further away because I know for some of the seniors and people, it's a little bit harder. 
you know, and, and I think you made a really good point there that if you're going to build those parking spaces, make it where it's closer. And I even think about climate conditions. Um, another mm -hmm. one of my podcast guests that I had on this past winter is also in a wheelchair and she lives up in the Yukon. And she told a story one day about a really difficult situation she encountered where the ramp was slippery and icy. And it was a very difficult situation for her that day. And I know that can be challenging sometimes in different climate conditions, but making sure it stays accessible as much as possible through all climate conditions is really important as well. We're freezing a bit, but I think we're coming back here. Um, so we have another thing here that I want to talk about, and that is the sky. Yeah, I can, you tell me about the, can you tell me about the sky? Yeah, so uh, my business and the saying I kind of adopted is uh, don't tell me the sky is the limit when there's footprints on the moon. And basically what that means is there are no limitations to what you can achieve. Like, you know, we've all heard the saying, the sky is the limit. I'm like, no, it's not. There's, you can go so much further than the sky. And basically it's just not allowing people to put limitations on your life. You are the only one that can put limitations on your life. You are the author of your own story. The only limitations are the ones you impose on yourself. So don't let someone tell you the sky's the limit when there's footprints on the moon. I love that. That is absolutely amazing. And uh, I think I'm going to have to, I'm going to make that a little sign. I think I'm going to put that up on my office wall. And anytime I, I have that little inclination where maybe my self-esteem starting to drop a little and I think I can't do something, I think I'm going to have that as a saying, put it right on my wall. And there I'm going to remind myself of that. Now you have mm -hmm. a book also. Um, I noticed that online as well. You wrote a story about what your journey and what happened. Correct. Uh, yeah, so the book is entitled The Sky is Not the Limit, The Fletcher Cleave Story. And it's basically the journey I've endured. You know, chapter one is from my perspective. And then, as you mentioned about my support system, uh, my father has a chapter. My mother has a chapter. Uh, my therapist has a chapter. The, the guy that was in the car with me, my roommate, he has a chapter. And it's basically just, you know, telling, you know, how was it when you met Fletcher or how was this experience for you? And, you know, being an only child, as I mentioned, my father and my mother just have two totally different perspectives on the same story. And it's a, it's a fantastic book. And uh, uh, if you love it, check it out on Amazon or you can get it at FletcherCleaves.com. Perfect. That is awesome. And I'll put links in my show notes as well so people know where to find that. Um, yeah, so uh, this is really neat that you shared your story with us today. And um, I guess if, if you had a final thought that you'd want to share with everybody, just motivational or otherwise, what what would you want to say? Um, to everybody out there in podcast land, I have a question for you. How big would you dream if you knew you couldn't fail? If you knew that failure was not an option, how big would you dream? If a genie came in, granted you three wishes and whatever you wanted, whatever you wanted, you know, or whatever you had to want to say, like, I want to be an astronaut. I want a million dollars. I want whatever the case may be. Work on that today. Don't put off today. Which, I mean, don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Uh, life is a gift. That's why we live in the present. And I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that every day is an opportunity to be better than you were yesterday. I love it. Um, geez, not only am I going to have your poster on my wall, I'm going to have that recording beside me as well here too. Gotcha. That, 
That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on the podcast today and share your story with us. And again, I'm going to put uh, some links in my show notes uh, where you can buy Fletcher Cleves book. And I'll also put a link to his website on there as well. And no matter where you're at, remember, he does do speaking internationally. uh, And I know that I have listeners from all over the world. So uh, if you know somebody that could Uh, uh, basically have Fletcher come in as a motivational speaker, whether it's to high schools, uh, you know, to adults, to people in the workplace, I think it would definitely be worthwhile having them reach out because you've got an amazing attitude. I call it the attitude of gratitude. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the show. And I'm just going to wrap it up here. But of course, I have to say the line that I always say on every podcast as you head out today, everybody have a great, wonderful day. And remember what I always say that smiles come in all languages and in all colors. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please click like, share on your social media, and hit that subscribe button for future updates. Don't forget to join the Lindy's Audio Cafe podcast group on Facebook or visit www.lindysaudiocafe.com. Have a great week, everyone. And remember when you head out that smiles come in all languages and in all colors.